0: It went straight down the middle. Then it started to well, Let's talk a little bit, Mike, about the, the U.S. Open, uh, where you had a chance to play 14 times. You made 11 cuts, uh, two top fives, four top tens, with some pretty good finishes along the way. I, I guess the one that I probably remembered was your one at Olympia Fields because I was the gallery marshal captain for the 15th hole, which mm-hmm. I think was that downhill par three.
1: Oh yeah, I remember fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, it was a fun golf course. Um, I remember that um, outside of Chicago, and as obviously the summer that I was, I was playing very well. Um, but I, I think did I? Fin- I think I finished third there. But I was never really got close enough to Jim um, that week. I remember. I, I, I think maybe I'd cut it to maybe three shots or something at some point during the final round, but. Mm-hmm. Never quite close enough to uh, be a, a serious, serious threat down the last few holes. I played very well there, but um, that that was one that that Jim seemed to just have hold of, and he, he was locked into.
2: You played good in uh, next year too. You finished fourth behind uh, Retief at uh, Shinnecock.
1: Yeah, yeah, that one I played very well uh, again. Retief had an incredible week. Uh, uh, incredible short game week. That one, 2004, funny story. Um, I was on the range Tuesday and not playing very well, struggling. And, uh, I was with my sports psychologist there, my coach at the time. We were kind of beside ourselves and I couldn't kind of put it together. And I just kind of came up with a routine where I, I tried to get into the ball with a little more up tempo and, Because I had been kind of searching a little bit, I think everything kind of slowed down. I was getting a little bit too technical. And I said, okay, what if I just kind of get in there, take a look and go, go, you know, just a little more upbeat. I kind of, I timed it. I actually timed it. I had my, had my coach kind of time it. And I, from the time I walked into the ball to hit the ball, first couple I walked in there was about 12 or 13 seconds from the time I walked in, set it down and go. So it was felt fairly fast. But by the time Thursday came around, I was down to about 10 seconds. I mean, mm. it was really upbeat, and sure enough, I, I started hitting it better and better, and by Sunday, I was really, really on point and hitting it good, and um, yeah, a couple putts on the back nine, um, yeah, they They're very, very difficult greens, uh, that was the tournament where the USGA on a couple of the holes were watering the greens in between groups, the eighth hole in particular, and the eleventh hole, um, boy, they were, it was just playing so tough, Um and yeah, I, I felt like I did have a chance there. I just uh just couldn't get a couple of the putts to drop on the on the back nine there. So
2: that brings up a question. Who mm-hmm. do you know was the first man that ever practiced that continually, timing himself from the moment he put his hand on the golf club in the golf bag to the time he struck the ball?
1: Billy Casper. No? No.
2: Starts first name starts with a B. Ben Hogan. <laughs> I don't think you'll come up with this one. Okay. Bert Yancey.
1: Bert Burt Yancey, Yancey really
2: did that for just. I mean, he was meticulous about being able to do it in the same time. It doesn't matter whether it was a driver or whether it was a pitching wedge. The moment he put mm. these hand on the club until he struck the ball he had his caddy timing it all the time and and he did what just exactly what you said you know it was Mm. it took him from thinking about all those other things it was okay I got the club here's my stance there's a target bang
1: yeah I mean there's something there's some value there I mean no doubt uh, at various points in my career using that Mm. I don't know why I don't use it more (laughs) (laughs) not very smart but but, uh, it, it really worked that week and at other times, it uh, just takes the, takes the edge off sometimes.
0: Yeah, you, you had another good finish in, in 06, uh, a T6. Uh, this is when Jeff Ogilvy won at wing foot. I guess it brings me to a question of, uh, that we've asked a lot of the guys. You know, we've talked to some players that great, great players, one majors, whatever, but for whatever reason, USGA setups weren't their cup of tea. In your case, yeah. I don't think you seemed to mind it, did you?
1: I think my my game, and if I look at my career, I've always played well on difficult golf courses. And uh, the greater the challenge, I feel like my game kind of showed up. I, I, I like to think that. And I think maybe because I had to put more attention to detail in my course preparation, um, how I was going to attack the golf course and where I was going to play conservatively, I guess it just brought my um, awareness and all that stuff to a heightened state because you did have to be Uh, aware of more things uh, on a difficult setup compared to a regular tour event. So that served me well. And I think when I was playing well, you know, my game was about precision, accuracy, and discipline. And I think those are good recipes for, uh, for us opens.
0: Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, would Tom Meeks have been setting up the golf courses for the USGA back in this era?
1: Yes, he, he did set them up, um, at least into the early two thousands, um, and then uh then there was a change i think kind of mid 2000s um yeah
2: so you got to t- you got to play the uh, open championship uh quite often something that uh, a lot of your canadian players before you didn't never got a chance to do uh, you know back then yeah. you know it wasn't official money and there was no exemption for it etcetera so forth but you got to play over there what 12 times i believe Finished in the top ten Is a couple what it was? of times, yeah. Did you enjoy that golf?
1: I, I did enjoy it. I mean, that's looking back, it's, it's it's a bit disappointing that I didn't play better in in uh, Open Championships because I really thought that would suit my game well. Um, the first uh, Open Championship was Carnoustie. Um, I wasn't exempt. I flew over and qualified at, of course, Montefieth Links, mm-hmm. where. Um, you really had to think your way around. You didn't. I didn't use my driver much in the qualifying. Um, played position, stayed out of the big trouble that was that was lurking there with fairway bunkers and things, and got through the qualifying and first Open Championship at Carnoustie and uh, what a test that was. And uh, that was the year. Obviously, was very very deep, rough, um, tough conditions. I remember making two triple bogeys the first round trying to play safe. I hitting it into the deep rough and actually just trying to play safe to get it back to the fairway like pitch it 20 yards and I and I whiffed it like a couple times or it came out too fast and went into the rough the deep other rough side. on the other side <laughs> on the other side it was like man you can't even play safe around here <laughs> and uh, but I shot an I I think I shot an 83 the opening round but came back and I was the last I think I was last or second last group on Friday so, of course, you're finishing close to 8 p.m. at night on uh, on Friday, and uh, I made about an 8-foot putt for par on that 18th while at Carnoustie to make the cut right on the nose. So I shot 83-71. Yeah. I think the cut was plus 12, which was one of the highest cuts, I think, ever. But uh, I was really proud of that second round to, uh, to to make the cut there and had a chance to play with Payne Stewart. It uh, is oh. only my second year on the PGA Tour. I played with Payne on, uh, I believe, the Saturday round, maybe the Sunday round. That was, that was a real thrill. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think the open championship, you know, I think at Carnoustie the second time around, I had a pretty good finish, maybe a top 10 there, but really didn't, uh, was never in contention. And I remember always walking away, just, uh, disappointed when I was flying home, just, man, how'd I, I don't know what it was, um, the change of pace on the greens, you know, obviously a lot, most of the time, a lot slower green speeds than the regular PGA tour. Um, and the turf conditions a little bit firmer uh, off the fairways. Just never adjusted well, uh, so that was it was always a little bit disappointing to me.
0: Uh, during your prime years, Mike, did you have a chance to play much Lynx golf other than the Open Championship?
1: No, uh, that's that's probably why I think, again, looking back, maybe I should have gone over a little bit more and just maybe taken in a Scottish Open or something mm-hmm. to uh, to prepare myself a little bit better. But again, you know, that that time of life, you know, my kids were really very young, you know, three and, you know, one year olds uh, at the time. You know, if I think back to 2000 or 2001, they were very little children. And um, having a busy PGA Tour schedule was like, hey, you got to have balance in your life and trying to to do that as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, looking back on your record, I mean, you had a, a stretch where you played, I guess, probably. Uh, twelve straight years in the Open Championship, which would have gotten you to probably most of the ma- uh, modern venues. I mean, this was before they brought mm-hmm. Portrush into the into the mix, but uh, yep. uh, that had to be fun to to get around and play all those great courses. That first one, of course, yep. that you were involved in, uh, you might want to remind our listeners what happened at that Open Championship at Carnoustie.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a crazy one, obviously, with uh, you know Jean Vandevelde at the mm-hmm. end and um, just. I'll never forget. We had, uh, we, at the PGA tour, a chartered a plane and, um, a bunch of us had, uh, you know, left the golf course for the day and we were on a bus to go to this charter and we stopped at this little pub. Cause we, you know, some of the guys, I think Justin Leonard was still waiting. He was going to be on the plane, but we all went to get some food. And I remember sitting with Curtis Strange and there was a bunch of other guys sitting around watching the TV. Um, as as the tournament was unfolding at the end and you know we were all falling off our seats when he pulled the driver out and then (laughs) he obviously got a lucky break there and um you know the the things unfolded and uh and Paul Laurie ends up winning in a playoff so it was just it was incredible um he really never seen anything like it in in golf but you know John's such a great guy he's such a you know wonderful guy he's he's taken it better than most would have ever taken it and uh um, it was, it was a sad moment for him and a great moment for Paul in his home country. Yeah.
0: Well, it was good that Justin decided to wait because he ended up being the, the one you, that everybody forgets <laughs> was also in that playoff.
1: Right. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. Most people think it was just John and, uh, and Paul, but Justin was right there as well.
0: A uh, favorite open venue. Which one would it be for you?
1: I, I think Muirfield. I think Muirfield is my favorite. I love the old course. I mean, I do love the old course, yeah. but, um. Muirfield is probably my favorite one. Okay.
0: Great track. Uh, what you see is what you get. There's no trickery there. It's all out in front of you, right? Right track. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I was caught, um, you know, talk about that, that round, that tiger, you know, kind of got blown away on that, uh, yes, I think did. the Friday round, maybe
2: you shoot he maybe missed
1: it. Yeah, I think he did. I think that was Friday. And, uh, I was probably in about the middle of course when the when the storm really kind of blew up. And I remember that that was one open championship that I was, I was maybe one off the lead there midway through the second round cruising along. And that weather came in and I hit a ball out of bounds on 17, I believe with a big crosswind and kind of got going on the wind and took a hard bounce and went out of bounds by about this far. Mm. And Mm. uh, I think I made a triple bogey and
2: yeah. (laughs) Triples. (laughs) Gotta stay
0: away from
1: those
2: triples, Mike.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Well let's let's talk about the PGA championship then because the the record really identical eight cuts made in 12 starts in the PGA uh, three top 10s um uh, uh, I think the first top 10 was uh, when Tiger won at Medina in 1999
1: 1999 yes again um you know Carnoustie was my first uh, that was my first major championship Carnoustie and um and then the PGA following sorry it was my second major championship. I qualified for the the U.S. Open. Yeah,
0: right. Pinehurst, but um, yeah.
1: yeah, Pinehurst. So, yeah, my first PGA Championship, uh, second year on the PGA Tour. Little backstory: a couple weeks previous, we were Tiger and I got my first chance to play with Tiger. The final round of the Western Open in Chicago, and uh, I think he had maybe a three or four shot lead going into Sunday. I was the second. We played together, and I played really well that day. We we had a great battle on Sunday. I think he ended up winning by two, but in my head I beat him for the day on the round. <laughs> and uh so that's the way us golfers think, right? Yeah, you know, well, we yeah. think, Okay, I can handle this guy and uh you know what I wasn't ready for in that PGA championship, again, I was tied for the lead after after fifty four holes playing with Tiger. Yeah. How different, you know, kind of your body feels, how the crowd was different. Um and playing with Tiger in the final round of a major, you know, they're there to see him. So yeah. You know, you have to be able to deal with a lot of movement, a lot of running around when you're trying to hit your shots. And early in that round, I just felt things were a little out of sorts. Um, I three putted the second hole, walking to the third tee, the, the little laneway to go to the third hole. There was just throngs of people and Tiger was out in front of that. And I remember standing there and it it probably took me two minutes to get to the tee, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. I mean, that's a long time in golf. Yeah. Too work your way through the crowds and you start to feel a little bit rushed. And that, that just kind of is what happened on that day. And I learned a big lesson from that. And, uh, you know, when, when you're in contention, not only in a major, but with tiger, how you have to have security with you, you need people to, I didn't have any of that someone to open the crowd up for you all, all those sorts of things. And, but that week was, you know, I played great, but that, that was a real big learning moment because, um, even after having a tough final round a few weeks later, up in Canada um, at the Air Canada Championship, where I won my first PGA Tour event just a couple of weeks after that. Here I am. It was a kind of a major championship feel, you know, with, a, with me having a chance to win in Canada my first sure. event. The crowds were very loud, very boisterous. And I was able to draw on that experience from just a few weeks earlier of like how to settle down in the moment. And uh, That's good. it was invaluable for me getting my first win.
0: Yeah. You know, we've talked about that so much, Mike, with these other great players about how these experiences, they just sort of build on one another. And you never yeah. know when you might draw on that, that thing that you just picked up a few weeks ago mm-hmm. about how to behave, yeah. how to, how to manage your body, your mind, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And that was, uh, that was a huge, huge moment for me. So yeah, the PGA's. um, I think Medina in particular, I played well. I played well there. And then the next time it was back, I, I, I played well there again. So it was-
0: And the same guy won the next time back too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was winning a lot back then. Yeah, but un- un- unlike me, and my, my Chicago friends won't like me for saying this, uh, but I lived there for 30 years and, and uh, had a chance to play often at Medina when during the longest day of the year, we'd go out there and play all three courses. But number three was never one of my favorites. Yeah.
1: Oh, really? Well, it's got a big change. It's got a big change now. I mean, Jeff Ogilvy's done a complete redesign. So yeah. I'm interested to see. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But obviously,
0: obviously, you yeah. didn't mind it because the 99, uh, uh, good finish, uh, tough. T- uh, I mean, tough finish at the end, but, but, you know, as you said, shared the 54 hole lead. Then 2006, uh, you had another top 10 there. Uh, so, uh, uh, PGA again, just they're all different, aren't they? All the majors,
1: yeah, they are. They, they all are different. And uh, you know, back then, I mean, th- that tournament was always in August. You know, it's a different date now. But, um In August, it was it was always so hot. Normally, where we played, greens greens were a little bit more attackable. Uh, you know, because they had to you keep them. Watered them. them yes. yeah. it seems like they had to keep them quite soft, and it was kind of a, a major that you had to p- play a bit more aggressively compared to maybe uh, a U.S. Open or. Or the masters, um, you know, the scores always seem to reflect that you had know, to get probably somewhere in the mid teens to high teens under par to, to have a chance to win.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, talking to the guys of Bruce's vintage, we we talk about uh, playing in the heat of uh, of August at the end of a long season, and a lot of these guys mm-hmm. we talked to, they said, you know, by then we were tired. Yeah, exhausted. We were just, <laughs> you know, they were driving yep. and out on the road for weeks and yeah, weeks and- at a time, and they were just tired. No. Yeah. No buying time on jets back in those days. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, those Greyhound buses yeah. take it out of you.
1: <laughs>
0: well, let's, let's talk a little bit. Having talked about the majors, let's talk a little bit about uh, team play. Cause you had an opportunity for a number of years to represent Canada in the world cup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was always an honor to play in the world cup. Um, um, it didn't work out every year that I, that I got to play, but when I did, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed team competition. I think it brought me back to that time when I was, you know, a kid playing team sports. Yeah. And, uh, to represent your country, you know, I was able to represent it as an amateur as well in, in a couple of team competitions. And so to do it as a pro was six was times, always as a pro, a right? You were yeah, six times as a pro, yeah, you great. know, you put the maple leaf on and yeah. you get out there it was, was great. Yeah. Got to play some great venues. You know, I remember playing in uh, Argentina when uh, um, the Argentinians gave uh, Tiger and and somebody else a a great run, and uh, Japan one time again. Tiger he chipped in on that 18th (laughs) hole to, you know, go into a playoff, which which was great. It was great to see. Great to see the different cultures around the world. That's. it's great to play the World Cup when it was when it was going on.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bruce had a chance to run up against the Argentinians back in nineteen seventy. Yeah. Yeah, I was I played the World
2: Cup there in nineteen seventy in, in Buenos Aires. And
1: in Buenos Aires, yeah. We were paired, we were
2: paired with uh, Roberto Di Vincenzo and his partner on the last day, and I hit a pretty nice drive down the first hole, sort of right center of the fairway. And when I when I got down there I couldn't find my ball. It was in the rough under the tree,
1: ah. So we uh,
2: we decided then that we were going to send our caddies out in front of us. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a smart move. Uh, that well,
2: uh, we ended up winning the to- winning the tournament, and David, uh, I think David <laughs> ended up beating Divincenzo by a shot for the individual title as well. So it was a oh, great wow.
1: experience for us. That
2: was. 1970.
1: Yeah, a little bit of funny business. I've heard that over in Asia sometimes that that happened back in the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk President's Cup. Uh, uh, You know, you're one of only, what, six or seven guys that have probably scored as many points as you've scored across uh, uh, your appearances in the President's Cup. Uh, uh, Mike Mm -hmm. Weir appeared as a player five times. He's been assistant captain three times. Uh, Most recently, he will be the captain of the 2024 team that will be, uh, close to home in Canada. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but let's first talk as a player because you had your mm-hmm. first chance back at the, well, uh, at the height of, uh, Tiger mania, I guess that crazy year he had in 2000 was your first year competing, wasn't
1: it? It was. And, uh, what a thrill that was, at the Robert Trent Jones club. Um, you know, what I remember is that, the you know, I was still pretty early in my PGA Tour career. This was my, I guess, uh, third full year on the tour. And I didn't really know a lot of our top guys very well at all. Uh, Greg Norman and Steve Elkington and uh, Ernie Ells and Frank Navelo and some of these guys that I, I I just didn't know. And so to be on this team with them, I, I remember feeling a bit out of place. um did, did I belong? You know, ask myself the question, did I belong? And quickly I remember uh, telling myself that, you know, it's not the right attitude you have to have. You have to believe that you you belong here and you have to have to show up for these guys. It's a, it's a team competition. And um, what a great experience. I got to play with, with Nick a couple of times price who, you know,
2: the hell of a player.
1: Yeah. Hell, heck of a player outside of Ben Hogan, as far as swing wise, as we, we've talked in the past about technique those are the two guys that I studied once I started uh, understanding the golf swing a little bit more was was studying Nick and uh, and, and Ben Hogan. So for me to get paired with Nick and, and for him to take me under his wing a little bit and and uh, show me the ropes, uh, make me feel comfortable. It was just an awesome experience, not only for that week, but for my career going forward. I gained so much confidence from that first President's Cup. Yeah. You know, Nick and I playing some of the top guys in the U.S. We played Mickelson, who I think was... Uh, number two in the world and Duvall was three or vice versa. Tiger was obviously probably number one, but Nick and I taking those guys on and beating them quite handily uh, gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, and then the singles, I played Phil in the singles and, and beat them quite handily in the singles that first year. So that, that gave me just a, a ton of confidence walking away from that week and going, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to become in my mind, I'm starting to become a world-class player now yeah. and uh, can, can compete with anybody. And, uh, actually Peter Thompson was our captain there and he gave me a couple great words that really boosted my confidence going forward after that week and was a big supporter of mine, um, kind of from that week going forward. So that was really special.
0: Yeah. I mean, speaking of captains, some great early captains, of course, we've talked about these guys before, uh, David Graham, uh, uh the dog being the first president's cup captain, uh, who Bruce, Knows very, very well. And then three years with Peter Thompson, three yeah. competitions with Peter Thompson, three competitions with Gary player. So you got mm-hmm. to play nice. for some pretty good captains.
1: Yeah. Yeah, played some great captains, you know, that first year, Peter Thompson and then the next three with, with Gary, with uh, Gary was, was really special. And, uh, you know, formed, formed great relationships with those guys, have a great relationship with Gary and, um, you know, great men and great leaders and, uh, yeah you know, that that first presidents cup was great but it, it the next few were incredible the next one was probably my my favorite presidents cup of all time up to this point so far it was uh going down to africa south africa to um to see that competition on on a great venue and the way it played out with with Ernie and Tiger in a playoff and yeah. Jack and Gary yeah. shaking hands i mean it was just incredible competition and great spirit of the game there it was it was amazing That
2: was uh was a, that was t- tied right that year
1: Yeah, we tied. We tied. I mean, Ernie and Tiger were in a playoff, and I've never been that nervous, and I wasn't even hitting a shot (laughs) in my whole life. (laughs) I I was so nervous just walking around, because it's it's out of your hands, and uh, walking with Adam Scott, and we were just all just, you know, we were kind of grabbing (laughs) each other's arms and just like, every putt they had or shot, we were just like, please, you know, because it's just, it was so much pressure on Ernie being in in South Africa, especially, you know, to uh, have to carry our team, and um, you know, he did a phenomenal job, obviously played great. I mean, the, what's talked about that event, a lot of the two putts Tiger and, and Ernie made in the dark, yeah. but uh, you know, the whole pr- previous to that, that's when they called the competition after Tiger, made, uh, Ernie made the putt to, to have Tiger. And then, then the competition was tied because it was too dark, but the hole before Ernie hit it over the green on the first hole. And it went over and down the slope and the pin was in the back. He had short side himself and he hit this death chip that bumped into the hill, hopped up, checked and, and, rolled down. It was just in the moment and in that pressure, that the touch and nerve that he had to hit that pitch was incredible. So there was a lot of moments that just really stand up in that one for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just remember all the photos from that at the end just, they're all black. They're all, they're yeah. all in the dark. They? <laughs> it was.
1: It was. And that part three was down and, it was an elevated tee shot down into a little area, so it was, of course, darker down in there. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, a little bit of, obviously, mismanagement with the tee times. I mean, we should have probably gone a little earlier just in case it was tied and they, yeah. we had more daylight. But, anyways, it was, a, it was a great competition.
2: So you were assistant captain three times, right? Nicky Price and mm-hmm. Els and Immelman in uh, 2022. And now now you're about to become the leader. For next year, yeah, has that been a a different set of circumstances for you? I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Bruce, it's been uh, it's been great. I mean, the last year has already been quite busy. You know, there's a lot of logistics uh, that that are going on behind the scenes. You know, there's you know when I started back in 2000, there wasn't um, all all the things. Um, that the players have. Now we have this great big team cabin on the, on the golf course that you you want to have outfitted for all the guys. There's got to be all the proper gym equipment. Um, You have all the right messaging on the walls for the guys. The hotel has to have, or we want it to be very comfortable for them. So it's a lot of the behind the scenes things The Mm -hmm. the clothing, the, um, uh, the analytics, which is another part. We have an analytics team. So a lot of consulting with them. So you look 20 years ago, there's, there's a lot more to do now. So we've been, trying to take care of that this past year and, and this current year coming up, but it'll be more about the players and who's playing well. And as the team starts to form and see who's rounding into form, you know, we have the top six players make it off the world ranking and then we'll have six picks. So was mm-hmm. keeping a close eye on a lot of players and um, I'll be leaning on, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of guys, my assistant captains, when I name them to, uh, you know, you know, consult and, and, and decide who who's going to, you know, make our best team and round out our team.
0: So educate our listeners on the picking process. Then Mike, is it totally your call? I mean, I know you'll accept input from your co-captains and so forth, but at the end of the day, does it fall in your lap to make the choice?
1: Yeah, it falls on my lap. You know, definitely I'll, I'll consult. That's why you have these, you try to have great guys around you, which I will. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk through it all, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's my call for the six guys.
0: And you mentioned it's a PGA Tour event. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it is. It is a PGA Tour event. So it's uh, unlike the Ryder Cup, where it's PGA of America and the, and the European PGA Tour. It's uh, this is a strictly PGA Tour run event. So um, they do a great job. It's it's already some of the infrastructure is always already being put in. Now we're in Quebec, so the, the weather this winter they they pretty much have to stop building. You know, a lot of the grandstands this time of year. But they got a lot of the infrastructure in before the snow and ice. And, uh, you know, come, come spring, I'll, I'll be back up there to take a look at the golf course a little bit more. Yeah, That's another thing we, we've done quite a bit of work on is, uh, you know, set up of the golf course and looking at the golf course.
0: Cutting patterns and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you for
0: listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway It went smack down the fairway Then it started to slice just a smidge offline headed for two, but it
2: bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down
1: the middle quite a way.